Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm welcoming Jonathan Baylor. He pioneered the field of wellness engineering and is the founder and CEO of the world's fastest growing permanent weight loss and diabetes treatment company, Sane Solution. Today, we're discussing his book, The Set Point Diet. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So what inspired you to, to write this book? And, and you focus a lot on, on diet and weight loss. So where does this come from? This book specifically is the result of the past five years of us working with over 100,000 people to apply the most breakthrough research in the fields of neurobiology, your brain, gastroenterology, your digestion, and endocrinology, your hormones, to solve the underlying causes of chronic weight struggles as well as diabetes. So not just eating less and exercising more, treating the symptoms, but rather the underlying causes that lead to uh, out-of-control appetite and cravings, a.k.a. an elevated set point, and fixing that permanently. So um, what are you finding are the underlying causes? The modern research around metabolic health is so radically different than what I was taught, let's say 20 years ago, when I started on this journey as a personal trainer. Back then, it was a calorie is a calorie, eat less, move more. And we all know where that's gotten us. It's gotten us to the worst health crisis in the history of the world. And what we found is that there's actually three things which underlie both diabetes, prediabetes, as well as overweight and obesity that have nothing to do with gluttony or sloth or not being able to control your appetite because you're weak-willed. And those are inflammation in your brain, otherwise known as neurological inflammation, a dysregulation in your gut or an imbalance of the bacteria there, as well as imbalances in your hormones. So unless we address and fix those three underlying causes we will continue down this devastating trajectory of nine out of 10 of us being afflicted with diabetes, prediabetes, or overweight and obesity, and eventually ending up with diabetes, which is catastrophically bad and actually 19% more deadly than cancer. Well, so this is a a different train of thought than, um, you know, what I grew up with, where um, there's a lot of blame put on people if they're they're overweight. And, um, you know, in your book, you you have a whole section talking about how, you know, it's really not your fault if if that's a situation that you're in. This is one of the most important messages in the new book, because Think about the way we treat overweight and diabetes today, a little bit like the way smoking was treated 100 years ago. What I mean by that is 100 years ago, we literally had doctors on television saying that smoking was good for you. Obviously, television was much different then, but there were commercials talking about how cigarettes are good for your T-zone. You can actually look this up online. There were ads in newspapers. 
smoking is is good for you and then it changed to smoking is just not bad for you now if that was happening and we all then had a epidemic of lung cancer we wouldn't say that people are just stupid and shouldn't have smoked and should have tried harder to not get lung cancer because they did what they were told to do for the past 40 years we've been told the wrong information about food. Fundamentally, that a calorie is a calorie, so you can just eat whatever you want, not too much, and that's the key to long-term health. Sadly, that is not only wrong, but it is counterproductive, because when we say that, we end up in a world where processed food-like products are thought of as healthy if they come in 100-calorie snack packs, because it's only 100 calories, where, but what we found is it's those foods in any quantity that literally poison your body, much like cigarettes in any quality, poison your respiratory system. Well, so um, this this is not, not necessarily new. I think there was always a bit of an argument over the calories, a calorie. But can you explain to people what, what that um, discussion was um, a calorie is a calorie so you just eat less what what exactly were people consuming um, if they just thought all calories were the same about uh, 10 years ago and let me know if this doesn't answer your question there started to be much more of a public discussion of around good calories bad calories the calories of a calorie different types of calories do things in your body and one really important distinction is that there's, there's quote-unquote confusion in this place, in this space, only because there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of the question itself. So let me back up for a second. <clears throat> calories exist and they matter. If you eat 10,000 calories of anything, you will gain weight. But it's impossible to eat 10,000 calories of certain foods. And there are things that have no calories, which obviously have a dramatic impact on your body. For example, birth control pills have no calories. Any woman who's tried them will tell you they have a dramatic impact on her body. (laughs) Cigarettes also have no calories. They have a dramatic impact on your body. So there are things that we ingest that have nothing to do with calories that change the way our body works. However, if you look at common weight loss programs, such as Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig or Nutrisystem, fundamentally they are about portion control. Their advertising campaigns say you can eat anything you want, just don't eat more than this many points or this many calories. And again, that's like trying to protect your lungs by smoking shorter cigarettes. Smoke from cigarettes is not the same as clean air. Quality matters. Food quality matters too, and we can specifically look at four factors. Satiety, how quickly a calorie fills you up and how long it keeps you full. Aggression, the hormonal impact of that calorie. Nutrition, how many essential nutrients versus toxic and addictive substances it contains. And efficiency, or how easily it can be stored or burned as fat. And we abbreviate those factors using the acronym SANE, S-A-N-E. So this is where um, you get your, um, you call it sane eating and all of that is, is that you want the food to fit um, all of those criteria. Exactly right. And that's why this book is so helpful because it's one thing for us to chat here today and say, eat healthier food. However, if you ask 10 people what healthier food is, you're going to get 10 different answers. And that's part of the problem. And then you'll also have situations where people will say, oh, it's organic, therefore it's healthy, or oh, it's natural, therefore it's healthy, or it's low fat, therefore it's healthy, or it's low sugar, therefore it's healthy. So there's all this confusion about what healthy actually is. 
And I want to get away from even using the term healthy because it doesn't really mean anything anymore. If you ask a vegan what's healthy, you're going to get a totally different answer than if you ask someone who's on the keto diet or someone who's paleo. You ask one doctor if fat's healthy, they'll say yes. You ask another doctor if fat's healthy, they'll tell you no, it will kill you. However, the one thing we can't argue about because there's simple scientific measures is how quickly do calories fill you up and how long do they keep you full? And certainly calories that fill us up fast and keep us full for a long time are preferable. Are these calories causing radical spikes in my hormones? We can all agree that's bad. Are these calories providing me with a lot of essential nutrients? Well, certainly that's good. And finally, if our goal is fat loss, if we're eating calories that our body can readily store as body fat, that won't be working for us. So we take all the ambiguity out we really simplify it as well in the book because this is a lot of science, but you don't eat science for dinner. The actual <laughs> foods that fit these categories are delicious and very simple. Well, so if I understand from reading your book, um, most of what you're focusing on, of course, is just eating real food, but it, within a you know a certain parameter. But you know, so that we're we're getting away from the fast food and the processed food, you know, those things just like you said are like smoking, and they are hurting us. Um, so is is that a lot of where this is coming from? That is a starting point. I think one of the things that's most exciting about this new book is I would imagine a lot of us have heard things like eat things found directly in nature or eat natural foods. Well, what's so fortunate and wonderful is that modern science has shown us that we can even do one step better than that. We can eat the most optimal therapeutic foods that are found in nature because let's be clear, tobacco is found in nature. So just because something is found in nature doesn't mean we should eat it. <laughs> There's a lot of poisonous yeah. things in nature. So what we want to do is we want to focus on certain things that are found in nature, such as four primary food groups, non-starchy vegetables, nutrient-dense proteins, whole food fats, and low fructose fruits. We want to eat so many of those foods that we're too full for anything else. And by doing that, we'll actually rewire our brain, change our cravings, lower our set point weight, and our body will work to keep us slim and energized automatically. So in in the set point diet, you're not having people do any sort of starvation or calorie counting at all? That's exactly right. And here's the irony. And this is like the textbook definition of irony. So one of the amazing studies that we cover in the book has to do with when people eat saner foods. So their goal, and this is a big difference from most diets out there, when their goal is to eat more but higher quality sane foods, and the participants were left to their own devices. So they could eat as much as they want, whatever they wanted, as long as it was from delicious sane foods. They experienced, without trying, unconsciously, they got fuller and completely satisfied on up to 1,000 fewer calories per day. So they accidentally, their appetite, because their body and brain is beautiful and wants to be healthy, said, look, I'm healthy, I'm feeling good, I am going to eat calories off of my hips versus calories that pass through my lips. And these individuals effortlessly consumed a thousand fewer low quality calories per day. So they are quote unquote eating less, but they're not starving themselves. They're unlocking their body's ability to naturally and appropriately regulate appetite and energy. And so what in, in your diet is helping them to control all of that? 
the food itself, so we talked about the S in sane stands for satiety. So there are calories, for example, the popular snack chip in the United States, Pringles, advertises. They literally tell us, once you pop, you can't stop. That's their tagline. So their tagline is saying, if you eat 300 calories of these potato chips, those 300 calories will make you hungrier. Now, if you contrast that to some delicious grilled salmon and maybe some wonderful sautéed asparagus, 300 calories of those foods will satisfy you. So the foods themselves are more satiating. They fill you up and they give you that sense of satiety. But in addition to that, because they don't cause hormonal chaos and because they reduce inflammation in your brain, they allow your body's natural satiety signals to kick in. And this is a really important distinction. With one question, you can change your perception of overweight for the rest of your life. And that question is this, why does somebody who let's say weighs 350 pounds, why do they ever get hungry? Because when it comes to energy, they have hundreds of thousands of calories pre-digested sitting in their body already. It's called body fat. But somehow their brain tells them you need more energy. You don't have enough energy. So we need to solve that breakdown so that the brain can communicate with the rest of the body appropriately so that we eat not just food through our lips, but also the existing food already stored inside of us that's sitting on our hips. Um, which I think is something that, you know, we're, we're all concerned about, um, you know, is, is, is getting to that point where you're not having those cravings. It, it, it's, you know, I've had shows where we discuss where cravings come from and um, it, it's, it, it's a, they're illogical. They're kind of beyond our, our control in the moment that they're happening. So, um, you know, if the food is creating the craving, as we all know, we've all sat there with Pringles or chips and finished the whole bag without noticing. Um, and we probably wouldn't eat that much food if it was in a different form, just because it, other food isn't as addictive as that is. And what's beautiful is this other food we're talking about. I'm not, this is, the book doesn't say, okay, on day one, you're going to eat all celery. And on day two, you're just going to eat leaves of iceberg lettuce. And then you're going to eat some rice cakes. These are not disgusting foods. These are delicious foods that have all the different tastes and textures imaginable. But just like you said, they don't hijack your brain. They're not addictive. And what's really cool is that, and this is, absolutely true. You can change your cravings and you can make your cravings work for you. Imagine how much easier it would be to eat vegetables if you craved them. And I promise you that is not only possible, it's been proven. So, so there's um, it, it scientifically proven that if we change our food, our cravings will change and then our body chemistry changes. Exactly. And if you want some anecdotal evidence of that, it's pretty clear that human beings are habitual creatures. We're creatures of habit. So we like what we do frequently. And this is why, for example, cultures all around the world eat different foods. There are foods, for example, that people in Australia really, really like. There's a common spread they put on their foods called Vegemite or Vegemite or something, where Mm -hmm. anyone who's not Australian tries it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst tasting thing I've ever had. But people in Australia love it because they've been eating it for a long time. 
And I'm sure you might have something in your life or your listeners may have where because they've eaten it their whole life or because their mom made it in some way or some ethnic food based on their place of origin, they think it's delicious. They crave it because they're in the habit of eating it. Whereas their friends are like, oh, how can you eat that? So we've all proven this to ourselves. Yeah, well, I, I think that it makes sense to everyone. But, you know, that for a long time, just with the a calories, a calorie, we, we did believe that, um, and some doctors still believe that food isn't causing the health problems. Um, although we know with with uh, obesity and diabetes that um, and, and heart disease, that food is the major cause. There's not a lot of focus on that in our system for people to make the changes that they need to save their lives. And it's so sad because you're exactly right. Eating more of the right quality food is the most enjoyable and effective treatment for obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease on the planet. And the more we can get that message out, the more lives we can save. That's perfect. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Jonathan Baylor, and we're discussing his book, The Set Point Diet. We'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
everybody. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Jonathan Baylor and we're discussing his book, The Set Point Diet. So Jonathan, what is The Set Point? If you've ever had that feeling, especially this time of year, where no matter how little you exercise, how hard you try to starvation diet, how many calories you try to count, how much you try to exercise, like your body is fighting against you. And then it almost has this weight that no matter what you do, it wants you to be at. You're not imagining things. You're not crazy. The most rigorous science in the world has proven that you have a set point weight of about, it's like a 15 pound range that your body wants to weigh. And that as long as you try to fight that by eating less and exercising more, you're never going to win. You're going to continue to struggle and yo-yo diet. Alternatively, what we show in this book, which is so cool, is you can lower that set point weight. You can get your body working for you rather than against you. And just like it might be working right now to hold on to extra calories, it can actually work for you to burn those extra calories automatically. So, and then in in the first segment, you talked about three things that can be affecting that. The first one was brain inflammation. What does that mean? There is a part of your brain known as your hypothalamus, which controls mission critical functions of your body. So the reason you don't have to think about beating your heart is because your hypothalamus is taking care of that for you. Same thing about blinking your eyes or even maybe less obviously, if you walk into a very hot room, you don't have to think about sweating. Your body says, look, I want to keep my body temperature within a a range. So if you get warm, I'm going to try to cool you off. And if you get too cool, you step outside into the snow, your body will shiver and get goosebumps. Every mission critical function in your body works to maintain homeostasis or balance every single one. So even when it comes to blood sugar, when your blood sugar goes up, your body takes steps to bring it down. When it goes down, body takes steps to bring it back up. Same thing with blood pressure and the same thing with energy balance. So it's not that calories in, calories out is a made up thing. Yes, calories come in and yes, calories go out. But your hypothalamus is designed to balance calories for you if it's not inflamed. So what we need to do is reduce the inflammation in our brain and allow our beautiful brain, specifically our hypothalamus, to count calories for us. Because just like trying to beat your own heart is no way to live and distracts you from enjoying your life, counting every freaking calorie you eat is just as ridiculous and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. That's what, it's what it sounds like, you know, for eating the, the right kind of food. Um, you're saying this is all just going to balance out, which is, which is amazing. And if you think about it, that's, look, I'll be the first person to tell you that when you hear, hey, your body can automatically keep you swim. People might say, red flag, scam, (laughs) sounds too good to be true, but let's think about this for a second. Every human being who lived prior to anyone even knowing what a calorie was, pretty much ate when they were hungry, stopped when they were full, and are fine. And let's think about even other animals. Animals left to their own devices don't overeat. We're not stupid, lazy gluttons by default. Our bodies are brilliant and beautiful and want us to be healthy and thrive as long as they are healthy and thriving. So once we restore that health, our body will fight to preserve that health moving forward. 
So um, this this brain inflammation, is this what gets triggered when we're yo-yo dieting? I think everybody's aware, you know, when you do these starvation diets that then, I mean, you talk about this in your book, you, you lose weight and then you gain that weight and more back when you fall off of it. That is definitely a part of it. And we've also seen that, look, there, this is why in the first segment we talked about calories, not a calorie, and there are things in food that don't even have to do with calories that are so important to think about. Let me give you one example because this is just so shocking and compelling. In a study, it had to be done on rodents because it would be illegal to do it on humans, the food additive frequently found in processed products called MSG or monosodium glutamate, which is used to emulate the flavor of umami in food, was given to rodents. And basically, the more MSG they gave the rodents, they scanned their brains, there was a dose-dependent relationship between the amount of MSG they were given and the inflammation in the brain that we're talking about here. So MSG was literally a switch. The more of it you give, the more inflammation in the brain. Then they gave the rodents a specific form of fat known as omega-3 fats, specifically EPA and DHA, the kind that are found in fish. And that turned down the inflammation. So MSG is literally an on switch for inflammation in your brain and omega-3 fats found in seafood are the off switch for inflammation in your brain, among other things. Um, well, that's pretty important to, to recognize. Um, so in MSG, I mean, it's not in, um, like it was known to be in Chinese food when I was growing up, and I know that it's not around as much because there's a big push to change it, but there seems to be a push to bring it back in now as well. And um, it's interesting to note that it does create those cravings, um, which I think we're all familiar with having eaten Chinese food when I was younger and wanted more, even if you were full. And I think it's critical, too, just to understand that even if they outlaw MSG, the point is a big one, which is MSG doesn't have any calories in it. So Mm -hmm. clearly, to just say calories are all that matter, what? Like, that's just one of thousands of examples. And who knows what other stuff is in processed food, which we just haven't studied yet, which is causing this kind of chaos in our brain. Well, exactly. And now the the next thing that you talk about is um, a gut imbalance. How does that affect our weight? You may have heard your gut referred to as your second brain. And I love that characterization because if you think of your first brain, the one above your neck, your brain is what processes inputs from the outside world, right? You see things, you smell things, you hear things, your brain processes. It takes the outside world and it helps to internalize it. Well, what does your stomach do? What does your digestive system do? It also takes the external world inside of you and helps you make sense of it. And so that's why it's called your second brain. It helps you to interact and internalize the outside world. And what we've found recently, which again has nothing to do with the quantity of calories you're eating, is there are different qualities of foods and different qualities of calories that fundamentally change the type of bacteria that live in your gut. And this is so hugely important because cravings are a big issue. And we now know without a shadow of a doubt that your cravings might not be yours. What I mean by that is you have trillions of living things in your stomach, in your gut. (laughs) And some of them are good, 
some of them are not so good. And they crave, they're alive, they crave certain foods. So there are bacteria that crave sugary and starchy foods. So if you're craving sugary and starchy foods, that might not be you at all. That might be the trillions of bad set point elevating bacteria in your gut. And once we change that bacteria, your cravings change and your life gets radically better. That's pretty amazing. And I I know people are talking about this a lot more, and we've talked about the microbiome a lot on this show. But it's really important to recognize um, the impact that that has on us, because it it does get ignored. And then, you know, we take medication or antibiotics that can damage that imbalance, and we don't talk enough about repairing that so that we can, you know, stay healthy. Absolutely. Probiotics, prebiotics, again, these things have no calories. So, so it just, it misses, we, we miss the whole topic. And if you look at, again, these common, these common weight loss programs like a Nutrisystem or like a Jenny Craig or like a Weight Watchers, if you tell people just eat 1,200 calories of the food that destroys your gut microbiome, that is worse than doing nothing. Literally, that is worse than doing nothing because you're not only starving yourself, which is bad, but you're actively destroying your gut. And there's nothing more depressing and and helplessness inducing than trying harder and getting worse as a result. Um, So you also talked about uh, hormone imbalance, which I know you mean something different than when you talked about brain inflammation. How are these hormones affecting our weight? Hormones are one of the biggest areas of, of misunderstanding and also one of the biggest areas that are most harmed by starvation dieting and excessive exercise, very specifically there are hormones like insulin and leptin that we may have heard about, but there's so many other hormones, your sex hormones, ghrelins, blah, blah, blah. The point is, is that your hormones are what communicate throughout your body. Right now, we're speaking English. Essentially, your brain and your gut speak, quote unquote, hormones to each other. And if your hormones are out of balance, or if your brain and gut are not able to hear the signals those hormones are communicating, your body is going to err on the side of not starving to death because it doesn't know what's going on, and it will program your set point to be higher because it doesn't want to starve to death. So we must focus on the impact that our eating, that our movement, that our relationships, that our sleep and even our mindset have on our hormones because that dictates what's happening inside our body. Well, and, you know, we have been given some bad advice over the years that have actually, um, it seems, triggered, you know, these hormones to be on the higher level, just like the, you know, calories are the same or, um, you know, the uh, snacking a lot, stressed out our leptin over the years. And um, we're, I I feel like we've been set up for the situation that our society is in now with, with, as you call it, the diabetes. We have been essentially given, and I, this, is, this is actually not me, I'm going to quote Dr. Walter Willett, who is the chair, former chair, of the Department of Nutrition at the Harvard Medical School. And this, I'm paraphrasing him, but he essentially said in one of his books, the, the USDA, the United States Department of Agriculture Food Guide Pyramid, is essentially the worst way to eat 
for someone who is struggling with their weight. So it's not just bad. It's the worst way to eat for someone who is struggling with their weight. Which is, you know, um, I mean, I'm in Canada, but I grew up with a Canada food guide and, and on, it was on our fridge. I had to learn it so that I knew proper nutrition. And, you know, now understanding that um, that was not the best way to, to be set up. And, and we have the same issues here. Um, and, and, you know, things need to, to shift and, and change for sure in, in that um, realm so that people can understand and not grow up even with the bad information so that they know what proper nutrition is. And that's when earlier you mentioned this is one of the big things we talk about in the book is your weight is not your fault. That is literally true. I'm not just saying that to make friends. <laughs> I'm saying that because it is factually accurate. The thing that was on cereal boxes, on refrigerators that is still taught in grade schools is literally dictated by the food industry, not by science. And it is setting us up and it actually has caused in the United States, at least the current generation of children for the first time in history to have a lower life expectancy than their parents. And as a new parent myself, that is embarrassing and we have to do better. So this lower expectancy rate, is that coming because of um, the obesity and the way that we're eating? Obesity and diabetes. And it's really important to say both of those terms because so often we think of weight gain as oh, that's vanity and it's, it's about just looking good in a bathing suit. It's not. We have now seen that there is about a 90% chance but if you struggle with your weight, you will become pre-diabetic or diabetic, and that is a potentially fatal disease that is also the leading cause of amputations and blindness and has killed members of my family. So this is not about vanity. This is about saving your life. And what's, again, heartbreaking is the type of diabetes that you're not born with. So type 1 diabetes you're born with. There's nothing you can do about it. Type 2 diabetes, which is the one that is of epidemic proportions, used to be called adult onset diabetes. It is not called adult onset diabetes anymore because children are getting it. It's called type two diabetes and that's heartbreaking. So, well, it definitely is, and, and we've had to change calling it the adult onset because there's so many children who are developing it, which is showing also how our food has changed because that means that our food is more toxic and we're eating poorly earlier on in life than, um, you know, what we used to. You know, if it was adult onset, it was because you weren't eating properly. I mean, my, my grandfather was, um, I believe, retired when he was uh, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And now it's it's children that are being diagnosed with it. And that shows a huge shift in the way things are. And there's so much that we can do here. And that's why I get so fired up about this. There was a large scale study done just recently where they looked at data from something like, like over a hundred countries and not to geek out for a second, but causation versus correlation. It's very difficult to prove cause when you talk about nutrition. Cause for example, if you eat more protein, you're automatically eating less of something else. Therefore we don't know if it's the more protein or the less of something else that caused the problem. However, we can look at data and we can make really strong statements. So essentially what this study showed was with the same level of statistical significance 
that we say smoking causes lung cancer. We don't, we, it's actually just smoking correlates very closely with lung cancer. We can now say that added sugar causes overweight, period. With these safe, so scientific research has shown Statistically, there is as strong of a correlation between smoking and lung cancer as there is between added sugar and overweight. And now our children, what is the number one thing that they're fed? Stuff with added sugar. We've got vending machines and soda machines in schools. We have subsidized lunch programs that are packed with sugar. Could you imagine if we were serving cigarettes in our schools? It's just crazy. Well, and I, I think also when we went through the low-fat trend, sugar was added to things to make them taste better when the fat was taken out. And we now understand that we actually need that fat and it's the sh- added sugar that we've been dealing with for all these years that's the issue. That's exactly right. And now you see, it, at least in the United States, a kind of a swing in the other direction. So, for example, the keto diet has become very, very popular. So it's now it's like eat all fat and it's just yeah. funny how this works you sort of go one direction and then it's like eat nothing but fat the key thing to understand about fat protein carbohydrates everything dairy blah 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 is that there are high quality forms and there are low quality forms just like a calorie isn't a calorie fat isn't fat there are different kinds some help to heal us and lower our set point and some are toxic. Trans fats are absolutely toxic. Omega-3 fats are literally therapeutic. Well, and it makes you wonder if we have to go to such an extreme as the keto diet just because we've been deficient for so long and we just need to catch our bodies up. Yeah, and we've seen, to be clear, that was sort of not a subtle dig at the keto diet. The keto <laughs> diet is is a was used to be called the Atkins diet and it's sometimes yes. called the low carb diet and it's sometimes called anyway it's been researched a tremendous amount there is a fantastic amount of peer-reviewed research on it that shows that it has many many therapeutic effects but just like anything else right there can be a keto diet that elevates your set point and is very bad for you if it uses low quality food and there could be a keto diet that lowers your set point and is very good for you if it uses high quality sane food and that's the, one of the things i like about this book so much is it's not really its own diet you could be kosher halal vegan vegetarian keto paleo low carb adkins whatever you want and what we're going to do is we're going to show you how to choose the most satisfying hormonally healthy nutritious and inefficient foods within that framework to maximize your results Um, well that's perfect and we're going to talk about all of that when we get back from this quick break we're talking today with jonathan baylor and we're discussing his book the set point diet we'll be back shortly Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. 
What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of return to peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. We're on the pulse of the world with great shows and hosts. The Voice America Health & Wellness channel is also on Twitter. We've got ideas to keep you healthy, breaking health news, and more. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAMHealth. That's at VoiceAMHealth. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Jonathan Baylor, and we're discussing his book, The Set Point Diet. So, Jonathan, in your book, you lay out um, the 21-day set point solution. What is that? One of the things that excites me the most about this new book is we've taken the past seven years' worth of data that we've collected at SaneSolution.com, working with our clients to take all the science we've talked about and turn it into a real program that gets real results for real people in real life and in the most concentrated way possible. Because look, everything we've talked about today has been talking about the most severe medical issue that we as a world face today, period. The economic burden of just diabetes is a hundred and $42 billion annually. The economic burden of all of tobacco is $50 billion. That's just diabetes, let alone mm-hmm. diabetes and overweight. So what we need is a 21-day therapeutic protocol where we say, look, for 21 days, my health is what matters most because when I'm healthy and vibrant and full of energy, everyone around me lives better. And that's what we've done. We've taken the best of all of this, eating, exercise, the way you think, the way you speak to yourself, the way you relate to others, the way you sleep, all of that. And we've put it into the most therapeutic step-by-step, literally hour-by-hour, 21-day program possible so that you can see and feel the most results as quickly as possible, change your cravings, and energize yourself to then continue living in this high-quality way for the rest of your life. Uh, which I think is what we all want. Um, so um, what does a, a plate of food look like on this diet? Let's go through a typical day because the best news is that I bet everyone who's listening to this has eaten sanely, as we say, eaten in a way to lower your set point. Sometimes you just didn't know you were doing it and we can do it more consistently now. So for 
breakfast, if you have a little bit of time, you're looking at something egg-based that has a lot of vegetables and maybe nutritious protein in it as well. So a scramble with some wonderful vegetables, or if you're kind of short on time, you could make some sane oatmeal. This is going to be nut and seed-based rather than grain-based, or you could even make a sane, low-sugar, high-veggie green smoothie, which believe it or not, we will show you exactly how to make these taste great in the book. For lunch, if you've ever eaten a salad with some fish or chicken on top of it, that's extremely sane. If you want to go to an Asian restaurant, you get vegetables and a protein in a low sugar sauce and you just double the vegetables instead of having rice or noodles. Pretty much anything can be sanitized, as we like to say. Dinner, again, you can literally have anything you can think of. Lasagna, beef stroganoff, pizza. Heck, you could have waffles. We will just show you how to make that using sane ingredients rather than insane ingredients so you don't have to deprive yourself of anything. This is a way of living that is focused on substitution rather than deprivation. So um, during a day when somebody's eating these foods, um, are, are they're allowed to eat as much as they want of it all? You will eat as much as you want, whenever you want, as long as it is from non-starchy vegetables, nutrient-dense protein, whole food fats, and low fructose fruits. So you will experience radical change in the way you look, feel, think, and even relate to yourself without ever being hungry. In fact, if you're hungry, you're not doing it right. <laughs> if you're hungry, you're not doing it right. You're not allowed to be hungry. <laughs> Uh, well, that's encouraging because I think, you know, we've all spent time, especially um, uh, in the past, on on diets where we were hungry or trying to do that to ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's it, unless you're um, doing intermittent fasting where you're still eating the same amount of calories, but just at a certain time, I, th- I find it it's very difficult to maintain, you know, calorie restriction day after day after day because you're, you're not, it's, it's almost like you're just deprived and then you have to catch up. That's what it feels like, you know, it's like I need to eat a lot of food now because I haven't eaten in a certain period of time, which I think is where it all goes wrong. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's your set point. Your body, you can't trick your body. Look, if you try to not go to the bathroom, you're going to lose that battle. And then you're just going to go to the bathroom more when your body finally does go to the bathroom. Or think about sleep. You can try not to sleep. You will lose. And your body will sleep more. Try to hold your breath. Yes, you cannot breathe for a while, but then you will inhale a lot more. It's the same thing with energy balance. You can't beat your body. And why are we even trying to beat our bodies in the first place? Why not heal them instead? Um, exactly. Why not heal instead? So you have um, laid out in your book a, a, what a plate of food looks like. And you have it like, I think it's half vegetables. What are the portions that go on to a plate of food? One of the easiest ways to eat sanely is to use what we call the same plate. So if you're eating off a plate, I know sometimes people don't eat off plates, but if you're eating off a plate, <laughs> it's a very simple visual. You want half your plate to be non-starchy vegetables, and then you want a third of your plate to be nutritious proteins, 
and then the rest of your plate or for dessert, and this is a really fun thing to talk about, you're going to use whole food fats and low fructose fruits. And this is, again, this is the way I eat. We've seen some of the most successful people on our program eat is your, your, your meal is delicious prepared vegetables. Not, I mean, you can steam them if you like steamed vegetables, but if you think that's gross, you're making vegetables in a delicious saute or with a delicious low sugar sauce and then nutrient-dense protein, like generally meat or fish. There's other options, but I'm just keeping it simple here. And then dessert is literally cakes, cookies, pies, whatever the heck you want. You're just making them with like an almond flour or a coconut cream or cocoa and cacao, and you're using low-sugar fruits and having all the flavors you could ever want. So if you just think about that, half your plate is vegetables, about a third of it is nutritious protein, and then the rest are whole food fats and low-sugar fruits, you're on your way to lowering your set-point weight. Um, which sounds really encouraging, especially if there's a lot of options for the desserts and stuff. I find, you know, if you're trying to cut back on sugar to just go without, especially if, you know, you're just trying to cut sugar out, of course, you get the cravings. And, you know, it, because it's not logical, it's really hard to, to fight a craving. That's why it's called a craving, not just a logical thought about food that you want. Um, our bodies are, are screaming out for that. So if you're having those options gives people something to to feel a little satisfied but not give in to the sugar that's going to take them down that road of eating the wrong food we have an entire chapter of the book or section of the book about habit formation and what's called the habit loop and this has to do exactly with what you just said where when you have a let me give an example oftentimes someone there's a there's a cue so i get home from work and as soon as i walk home as soon as i walk through the door i walk to the fridge i get something i sit on the couch it's just a habit that happens to try to not do that is very hard you you can but that uses a lot of willpower and you only have a fixed amount of willpower and at the end of the day you're going to have very little willpower so instead of saying just stop doing that just deprive yourself Instead, you find a substitution. So it's not that it's bad to come home and go to the fridge. It's not helping your goals to go home, to go to the fridge, to then grab a can of soda. It's fine to grab something else. And that's what, again, we're going to help you do in the book. It's not to say no, not negative, shame, starvation, deprivation. That doesn't work. If it worked, it would have already worked, and it hasn't. What works is substitution and finding something that is healing to swap in place of that which is addictive and toxic. Which definitely makes sense because, you know, it is very difficult to go and then, you know, especially at night, I find people always talk about that being the hardest time because they're used to, you know, sitting and having a snack or, um, like you said, grabbing that soda or having something and, you've got to change that. But you've got to do that in a way that doesn't feel like torture. You're not going to maintain it. And that willpower impact is so important to understand. And you talked about how trying to starve yourself, it just makes you feel like you're half dead because you are half dead. You're dying. You're starving. And in fact, studies have been done that show that people who are on starvation diets are statistically significantly more likely to cheat on their spouse or partner than people who aren't starving themselves. But how is that possible? Because your willpower is a fixed resource period. That's why when you come home from work, it's harder not to eat junk food because you've used all your willpower up. So we need to spend our willpower preciously and we need to spend it on substitutions, not on deprivation. 
Yeah, which makes sense to me, um, especially for someone who doesn't want to struggle and feel tortured. Um, so w- when somebody goes through the, the whole 21-day program, which I know is laid out in your book, what should they expect to feel like at the end of that? On day 22, the best way I can describe it is imagine like you saw the world in color for the first time. So there's still cars, there's still trees, your life is still your life, but it's like it's illuminated now because so many of us, right, if nine out of 10 of us are struggling with severe or low-grade diabetes, we are sick. We are literally sick right now. And you know how you feel when you have the flu. When you don't have the flu anymore, it's like, boom, your world is lit up. And when you have the flu, it's like, wrong. everything is, is turned down. When you're on day 22, you're going to feel lit up because you will have taken such a dramatic step in the direction of health and vibrancy, and you'll see that it doesn't have to be a struggle. Healthy shouldn't mean miserable and deprived. I mean, that's so backwards. So I'm so excited for you to experience day 22 because once you experience what high-quality living feels like, you'll never want to subject yourself to low-quality food again. Well, um, that's how I feel about it. And I definitely agree with you that, you know, we do need to make these changes and we need to feel better. Um, And this is a a good place to start because if you're not putting the proper fuel in your body, you know, you're not, nothing else is going to work. That's exactly right. We are what we eat, like grandma said, and you are of the highest quality and therefore deserve nothing but the highest quality inside your body. Oh, perfect. So if anybody's interested in following your program, how can they get a hold of you or your book? Please go to sanesolution.com. Again, that's sanesolution.com because one of the coolest things that we do is we offer monthly free 21-day group challenges where our expert coaches will actually guide you through the 21-day program in the new book, The Set Point Diet, free of charge as long as spaces are still available. So please go to sanesolution.com. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, so today we were talking with Jonathan Baylor. We're discussing his book, The Set Point Diet. If you want more information about my story and what I went through on my journey back to health, you can find that on my blog site at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, or your favorite social media. And uh, be sure to have today to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week.